Welcome back to the Objective Anime Analysis YouTube channel and podcast, where I do a lot of different content, but the strict most focused content that I want to do is objectively analyzing different anime and manga that I have watched slash read. Now, some rereads and rewatches are necessary, but I have recently read the entirety of Hell's Paradise in lieu of it coming out as an anime, dropping the first episode, and get relatively good reception from what it sounds like. Now, I'm going to be breaking up how good Hell's Paradise is. I won't be doing the long-term live streams any longer because there's so many anime and manga I have to break down. So I'm going to be going focused on these more short-term content, get my points across if you agree or disagree, but we'll leave that for a different day. Matter of fact, if anybody wants to debate me on any of my objective analyses, we can have that for a live stream specifically. So with that said, let's dive right into it. First and foremost, let's dive into the plot of Hell's Paradise. This shouldn't kind of needed to be said, but spoilers are going to happen here, so you have been warned. So the plot of Hell's Paradise, for the most part, is very interesting, but very simple. Sure, when you get the initial premise of the storyline, of a bunch of criminals with their executioners being sent to this weird island, the Hell's Paradise, so to speak, to find the elixir or the way of immortality. And they're doing this for the Shogun, and they're doing this also as the criminals are for a pardon so they won't get executed for their past crimes. Now, this is old style Edo Japan, I believe. I don't even know if I'm using that terminology correctly. So very traditional way in terms of indicating what is justice and what is good versus evil. Basically leaving it all to up to the Shogun and his decisions. The entire story takes place at Hell's Paradise and finding this elixir or finding this solution of immortality. And it does not stray from it whatsoever. But with that said, the beginning of the plot is very interesting. It really sets the tone of what the story may be about. And I definitely think it does an excellent job captivating the audience to continuously read the series. It introduces a slew of very interesting characters and unique individuals as criminals, such as Gavimaru, such as the bandits, such as the strong samurai. It also introduces the executioners, a group of people who behead people, of course, and all of them also have very unique personalities paired up with said criminal. So you got characters to look forward to, to be very interested in, and each one of the characters are very unique in their individuality, and it really sets a tone the moment they get on the island, with the monsters showing up, with a lot of death, brutality, and fighting. So immediately, it sets a proper tone of the dire situation, the stakes, and how brutal this series is really going to be. I gave the beginning of the plot an 8 out of 10. I think it does an excellent job, even from the first episode. So it deserves credit. With that said, as we continue with the story, I do think the uniqueness of the plot, the narrative that is being told, is only above average for me, giving that a 6 out of 10. What I mean by this is that the story itself is really not that complicated. It's basically just a story of them finding the solution of immortality, the means of immortality, 
and figure out who the people are on this island. Other than that, there's nothing complex in terms of plot twists or anything. Sure, there's a plot twist at the end that I'll discuss in a second, but it really is not a complicated narrative. You find out the backstories of all the criminals, you find out a little bit more personality and character development from the executioners, and you find out who the main villain is on the island itself, but even their story is nothing too complicated. I'm going to dive into the main antagonist in later on in a second, but... It's a simple narrative of just finding immortality and getting a pardon. There's really nothing too complex behind that surface level storytelling. Now, sure, what is going on the island with the deaths that happen and the learning of what Tao is, and even with the confrontations of different characters, it makes the story interesting. You don't have to have necessarily a very complex plot, like a Code Geass, for example, to be a good story. But I'm just keeping a buck on what Hell's Paradise really is. They're going to do what they do on the island and then come back, and that is it. There's nothing behind what the story is. And throughout the entirety of the story, I will say it flowed pretty well. There was no big kind of consistency issues. I can't really speak on what it means to read it weekly or watch it episodically because I read the entire thing in bulk in terms of the entire manga. But I will say that the story arcs flowed pretty well. I think it really started out better in the beginning, however, in terms of kind of pacing itself and diving into what is the island, who are the characters, what is their backstory, who are the criminals, all that stuff. It really kind of set the tone really appropriately at the beginning. I do think later on, once you know the second group of executioners showed up on the island, is when things got rushed a little bit. It was really just fights and move on, fights and move on, death, move on. And it didn't slow down and really give us who the characters were anymore. I feel like all the main villains, when they got in their final confrontation, just lost and that was it. Which is unfortunate because each one of them, in terms of the different individuals, the different personalities of the main bad guys, were all interesting. I do think they had personalities. I do think they could have provided a lot in terms of perspective. So with that said, I gave it a 7 in terms of the flow of the story, the consistency, the pacing. Now, I will say the only two glaring issues I have with any potential plot holes, which also falls in line with the flow, is mostly the fact that Tao, I felt, was a little inconsistent and didn't really stay true to what it initially introduced itself as. It set itself as a complex power system and how it worked and the key and the energy of each living thing and how it works and how it takes training and time to really master. But around the end of the story, it seemed like even the new people who showed up, it immediately learned how to use Tao. And it basically was a Pokemon thing is if your attribute counteracts this attribute, you win. So that's a little issue I have with the Tao situation and also the fortune telling, which is also tied into it. They make... They make Tao seem like it's like can do anything and with this fortune telling they said hey The fortune telling is always right for the most part But in terms of the premonitions they had in terms of the final storylines It none of it came true for the most part and didn't really serve any strong purpose, right? So it was just trying to make you feel tense, but none of that played out properly 
So those are like my slight issues in terms of the plot because I feel like Tao had a lot potential, but then they kind of rushed through it and made it very simplified later on in the story. Moving on to the end of the story that I was just speaking about. The end of the story was very hit or miss, I feel like was going to be for a lot of people. I do think it wrapped up pretty nicely, however, although I do think it was a little rushed in terms of the final confrontation. Like I said, it seemed like everything was kind of going people's way. It seemed like we weren't getting a lot of characterization from a lot of the characters, especially the new executioners who showed up. We weren't getting characterization from the main villains, despite them being the main villain. And even the big baddie, when it was eventually revealed, it was very surface level. It was like, oh, this is who she is. So the characterization and the breakdown seemed surface level when it came to the end of the story and what was going on in terms of the fight, in terms of the ninjas showing up, in terms of the executioners showing up, in terms of the deaths, in terms of the big monster that showed up that was part of the big plant of the that was introduced early on in the series, and then even the final fight. All of it was like, all right, cool, but none of it felt satisfying. And it's really hard to kind of nail my specific problem, but kind of the best way I can put it is that the ending of the story just felt like an ending that wrapped up the plot lines, but not delivered the story, if you know what I'm talking about. Kind of a very similar issue that I think My Hero Academia is having right now, where it's just trying to deliver the end of the story and wrap up the plot lines. And it's really tough when it comes to ending a manga series. That's why, you know, things like Kogias having one of the most spectacular anime endings of all time is praise. Because an ending of a story means a lot to the story, right? And to stay relevant and to kind of keep up pace, sometimes a lot of these magazines and publications rush the ending of the story or the mangaka or the person who created the anime is getting burned out so they just kind of want to finish what they're writing so with that said hell's paradise i think didn't really deliver in terms of the complexity of what the ending could have been i thought it was pretty surface level but i still think it was pretty good so with that said i gave the ending of the plot a 6.5 at the very least, it wrapped up all the storylines that need to be wrapped up, whether you like them or not. There was no glaring questions or glaring issues. It was pretty satisfying for your favorite characters on how everything ended, and you were pretty pleased. You weren't left with anything, similar to Dr. Stone's ending when I discussed it. You may have wanted more, but you're pleased on what happened. So the ending, I think, deserves that 6.5. After we average everything for the plot, I give Hell's Paradise's plot overall a 6.875. It's a pretty good plot for the most part, very surface level unfortunately, but it does the job and it is enjoying and entertaining. Moving on to the characters of Hell's Paradise, there's a lot of characters to like and there's a lot of characters to love. Now for the most part, we'll start off with the main character himself or the kind of co-main characters but kind of the leading head we all agree is Gabimaru the Hollow. Gabimaru is extremely entertaining in terms of his lore. He's an absolute badass and we are let to know that from the beginning of the story when they try to cut his head and it does not work. 
Gabimaru is the strongest ninja of the most infamous organization in Hell's Paradise, and he is the deadliest individual for the most part throughout the entirety of the series. His co-partner Siguri is definitely good as well, and I'll dive into her too, and she makes a good kind of partner for Gabimaru. Not a love interest, because Gabimaru does have a wife that he does get back to, but in terms of someone who kind of feeds off and helps grow his character throughout the story. Gaurimaru is an individual who's basically very ruthless in terms of finishing his opponents, and he slowly develops a personality, slowly develops caring about his teammates, caring about people that's not his wife, and becomes a more caring individual outright. He's very focused and driven to accomplish his mission, and he never strays from trying to come back to his wife throughout the entirety of the story, which I do respect. It indicates character development in terms of his individual personality, but in terms of his straightforward goal and his mission, that never changes whatsoever. Gavimaru inherently is not a complex main character. There's no deep layers into who he is. He wants to get back to his wife. And in terms of his ninja-like personality, he was raised in a very ruthless village, became the strongest ninja, and just did that. His wife is the one who changed him for the better, but all that is to the complexity of his character. So with that said, Gabimaru gets a 7 out of 10 for me. Now the other main character of the series, the main side characters I like to put them, are basically another section that is very important in telling your story. The other characters that are equally as important, but not the protagonist, so to speak. And that was, of course, Sagiri. Now, Sagiri, I do think she had more potential than was actually shown. She was actually a very interesting character in what she provided. With Gabumaru's ruthlessness, she had a very gentle and very calm nature. She cared about people as people, and she had a way about her that definitely encapsulated people like Gabumaru and the, even the other criminals and the other executioners around her. Now, it's very unfortunate that she didn't get more in terms of characterization. I think she had the potential to be arguably the best character in the series, but I don't think they pulled it off at the end of the day. Sure, by the end of the story, she had the final fight with the main antagonist because just cuz, honestly, it didn't really feel like she deserved it because I don't think her character development and characterization was flushed out enough. Now, it was hinted at that she was going to be stronger than Gabimaru purely because of Gabimaru said so and purely because she's the main character next to him, but I don't think they delivered in showing how she can be that capable besides the initial situation when they were fighting that big giant and the final, final fight in the series. Everything in between, I don't think she delivered in that growth of strength and that growth of character. Despite that, I do really like her character and her nature and her being for the story. Compared to every other character in the story who are ruthless killers and will do any means necessary, she was a calm in that huge storm of all the chaos going around. I just wish she had more of it because it felt like she was kind of background to not even only Gabimaru, but to other characters as well. I felt like characters like Chobei got more in terms of characterization. Characters like Yuzuriha got more in terms of characterization. Even the blind uh, executioner, I'm blanking on his name, I felt like got more characterization. I don't know why they kind of took a step back in terms of Sagiri, in terms of fleshing out her character, Especially considering the fact that 
she is the most important character that is not Gambi Maru. It didn't really make sense to me, and it still doesn't really make sense to me, but I still give her a 7 out of 10 for the role she did play in the story. Now, speaking of the other characters, they were great. They were great for the story, including the people I already mentioned. As unfortunate, it seems like they don't have a whole list of all the manga characters, but Hell's Paradise was a very older series and not too popular so i guess i'm not mad at it that now they're putting it out because the anime is out so it is what it is but those characters played a if important role in flushing out the house paradise story in terms of their own individual characteristics the criminals of course the executioners even the new characters that show up later on in the story all played a very interesting role in their individuality and their unique skills and personalities so, I don't want to go too deep into every one of them, but they can be a conversation for a different time. So, with that said, I gave them an 8. I do think the characters that are besides the main core and even the villains played a great role, and I like them. They get an 8 for me. Alright, let's focus on the main antagonists and the villains of the story. I both get 7s to kind of kind of put out i think they were good and i already mentioned it earlier i just think they weren't flushed out enough by the end of the arc when you set them up in their kind of villainry this start of who they were were fascinating they're a bunch of immortals or people who are trying to be immortal kind of subhuman but trying to be greater than human individuals all of them unique personalities not only that one core trait on him finding immortality is, you know, having sex, which is, we'll talk about that in a second. The, and the fact that they can change their sex to whatever kind of fits the situation. Again, we'll talk about that in a second. So these villains had a unique way about them, and they're all trying to find immortality. Now, it's a looming mystery on why they're trying to find immortality. It was mostly for the main individual who showed up on the island. And they're kind of curious, especially later on, we find out that they don't even know why they're doing what they're doing in the first place. But they know they have to do it, right? So with that said, they the threat they posed throughout most of the story was pushing our characters forward and trying to force them to become stronger. There were adamant threats and who they were. But once you start learning more about them, especially the two that were like kind of in a little relationship, you start getting more interested in them. You start kind of liking them as characters because there is characters behind them. They are individuals who are trying to find immortality, don't know why they're trying to find immortality, but are also can change sex, also have to have sex to become more powerful and all have unique personalities and unique ways to find immortality. That's what I'm saying in the terms of they had a lot to offer but didn't deliver by the end of the arc because they kind of, once it was their time to shine, they did not shine. That's why they get seven. And as for the main villain, the one kind of orchestrating everything, once we find the plot twist that the main one is actually a woman who was trying to find immortality and also trying to revive her husband... That's what the whole thing was actually about. Not the fact that they're trying to live forever, but trying to find a way to bring her husband's soul back or revive him. Then that was kind of like, oh, oh wow, okay. Because it kind of turned the plot in a different direction unexpectedly. 
It wasn't about the immortality anymore. Because, matter of fact, they've actually lived for a very, very long time. And then all of a sudden, there's a switch. And that switch was her husband dying. And her body dying. And then her taking a new body. It's also very weird that she was doing all this stuff to kind of revive her husband. She also had sex with one of the characters. Again, we'll talk about that in a very second. But that was basically the crux of her entire plan. Is to bring back her husband. And the twist, I do think, is probably hit or miss for some people. To find out that this wasn't about immortality, but to kind of revive her husband and kind of bring him back to life. The only problem I have with this is it just felt a lot of, very sudden. Not only did we find that she was the wife and she was bringing back her husband, we, again, know nothing about the husband. We know nothing about the events that led up to the situation. We know nothing about why she thought that her new plan was justified any of that and even when it came to the final situation when she was about to implement the most crucial part of her plan she decided to let bygones be bygones because gabimaru was basically kind of hit her sentimentality point as being a wife right so the entire situation just didn't fulfill the proper elements i still give her a seven though because I think, similar to the rest of the villains, they were set up in a way that was very looming. They were a threat. They were evil for the or the bad guys for the main cast of characters. And you never knew how you were going to beat them. And you're never going to know how you're going to stop them. And what is going on, really? It wasn't until the end where it's like, eh, you know, for the most part, that didn't everything didn't come together fully and completely, right? It didn't have that yin-yang that they were talking about through the entire story. So she got a 7 for me. As for the characters in totality, it was a 7.4 out of 10. Really good. I do think it's pretty strong cast of characters throughout. And I hope the anime does more justice to the characters later on in the story. I don't know how long Hell's Paradise will actually go on. Because lately, anime has been struggling in keeping up quality, to be honest. So hopefully by the end of the story, they really flush out all the characters better. And I didn't really even really talk about the executioners that showed up later on in the story. And even their story was kind of surface level. Like, we kind of knew who they were, other than the main guy who was just kind of like a goody two-shoe who would do bad things for good. You know, one of those type of archetypes. The people who showed up with him, their characterization, very surface level. It didn't meet any kind of dynamicism throughout when they showed up so it's unfortunate but they served their purpose right moving on to the setting of the story kind of the world building the geography the power system the lore of the hell's paradise story and to kind of speak about there's only kind of very few things to say about it because i don't think the setting is actually that great if we're being completely honest the setting of the story is hell's paradise and what is hell's paradise other than that it's normal Japan kind of like lore and history. Sure, we get backstories of the characters, but even the backstories of the characters were surface level. All we know is some people are ninjas. Some people are samurais. Some people are executioners. The most story we got out of anybody was Gambimaru the Hollow. But even that didn't really dive into anything deep. We just knew who they were. But we knew nothing about their crimes. We knew nothing what led up to them. The only ones that we actually got decent amount of story and good characters from that I should have said earlier is Chobe and his brother. The bandits. 
The fact that he got screwed over, kind of similar to a ghost-type backstory, but way worse. They were the only ones I felt that we really got character and backstory and kind of what led up to this point. Everyone else, I didn't feel that way. And it's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. So with that said, even the lore of the story, in terms of what is going on in Hell's Paradise, they showed up in the island. Why? I think the, the explanation was pretty surface level. And even like the events that led up to what now, again, didn't serve a strong purpose. Fortunately, we had the, that one girl character who kind of frayed from them and gave us a little context about the situation and a little bit of backstory on who they were before and what led up to this moment, but not really. And the foremost kind of focus of the story, Tao, is a little inconsistent, like I said earlier. It had a lot of interesting elements, being like the energy of all living beings, how it can help you read the future, it can help you in battle, it can help you do very unique techniques. But even with Tao, it was basically trying to be something that was unique and complex didn't hit the mark later on it was just something that exists that helped explain all the things they were doing and that was basically it right so Tao wasn't very complex the backstories there were not enough of them and didn't dive into anything deep the lore and history of the series was nothing crazy and the, and the setting I mean the geography was just Hell's Paradise you know everything else was pretty normal now I would say the monsters and all that stuff were pretty cool and and the kind of immortality beasts and them kind of being related to plants, basically plant monsters. That's what they were, plant monsters. So that was very cool to kind of have your story revolve around defeating these monsters. Ultimately, I gave the setting of Hell's Paradise a 6.5. I still think it was above average. I think it was pretty good in terms of really giving a place for the characters to do what they got to do and a good enough explanation on their abilities and stuff. It wasn't complex, but it was enjoyable, and it did the job. So it gets a 6.5. Moving on to the overall theme, it's really hard to kind of nail down what the theme is. I, I think the story is very, you know, simple, as I said earlier. So the overall theme of House Paradise is, can go one of two ways with this. You can say it's the power of fighting for someone you care about, as we see as Gabriel is doing this to fight for the people he cares about, well, more specifically his wife, and then later on his friends like Sagiri and the girl character, which also had a very tragic end, but not really because what happened at the end. I'll talk about some ending points that I found fascinating. I do like. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but it, you could definitely go down that right because the main villain was doing something too in terms of her whole plan and reviving her husband because she was fighting for someone she cared about. And even with those two kind of, uh, I forget what they're called, they're they're the main villains and the two ones, the ones that are kind of in a relationship, they're fighting for each other. So there's a lot of characters, even Chobe fighting for his brother, for example, that were fighting for someone they cared about and doing whatever means necessary to fight to kind of do things to succeed and to come out on top for said individual and doing whatever means necessary to kind of doing whatever means necessary. So you could definitely go down that route or you could do, go down the route of what it means to be human because that's a definitely selling point in terms of villains, in terms of trying to find immortality, figure out what it means to be humans, the criminals, see them past their criminal past and looking at them as humans. You could definitely go down that route. I probably would go for probably the first one more so because it's more 
centered into both the main character and the main villain and kind of the reason why the main characters were able to beat the main villain is purely because they kind of connected with the fact that she is doing everything for someone she cared about. So that's probably the foremost theme of the story. I don't think it's delivered that well throughout the story. I don't even think it has a central theme. That's why the story is so simple. I think that when you're trying to create a manga or an anime or any story period, if you have a central theme, you can make your story very complex. But with something like this that was basically just finding mortality, they didn't have that. But with what I indicated, what I provided, I do think it was good enough. So I gave it a six in terms of the theme of the story. It had something for the main character, main villain. So it, at the very least, is something to look forward to and learn from. I just think if you're going to learn a lesson from Hell's Paradise, there's really not much to learn other than, hey, man, keep fighting. You feel me? That's probably the best you're going to learn. And last but not least is the art. Probably the most subjective material out here. I gave the art a 6 out of 10. I think it was better than average for the most part. I didn't think all the panels and all the art itself was incredibly uh, amazing. It's better than average. It's definitely better than average. And the anime seems to be doing a good job thus far. But nothing crazy and spectacular that I would tell anybody about, right? It's not like the Doctor Stone, One Punch Man, or, you know, even a One Piece. So, 6 out of 10 is deserving. And the end pieces that I mentioned earlier that I, was, I wanted to, at the very least, mention that I thought it was pretty cool, kind of little highlights of Hell's Paradise, is the fact that, you know, I ended up basically liking a lot of the characters by the end of the story, even some of the villains, right? And they had some good happy endings, which I enjoy. Like, the fact that the one that never shows his face and the little girl uh, was survived until, like, the modern age because they are basically immortal. The fact that Chobe came back to life and was able to do things with uh, his bandit brother. The fact that Gabumaru got back to his wife and Sagiri got to meet his wife as well. And we saw the ninja girl again. So there's a lot of things to, you know, be interested in. And I thought they were cool highlights. Very satisfying in what it provided. Does it have any S-tier or go-tier things written in the story that deserves a .25 bonus? I don't really think so. I don't think it has anything that was going like, oh man, this is masterful writing. Uh, Hell's Paradise was basically just very enjoyable. I think the the big thing out of Hell's Paradise that really makes it unique is purely the fact that their main villains both can change their sex and need to have sex to kind of grow in power. It's very different. I've never seen something like that before. I give credit. And this was way back in the day, so it's not like a wokey thing, right? So that was very unique. Um... I still don't know why. I mean, the kind of the explanation they give and why this is the reason is because there's kind of a yin yang to things in terms of growing power and immortality and all that stuff in terms of Tao. So yin yang is basically male, female. So you need to be both for the most part um, to kind of fully grasp that power or whatever. And then at the same time, sex, it comes to bring yin yang together to make the full power, full thing, right? So that's kind of the explanation, but that was kind of BS at the first place because a lot of the characters didn't have any of those issues. Um, all you had to do is basically is have the the opposite towel of the other person just be touching another person. You're just as powerful as the other person. So I was like, eh, I mean, it's a thing, but you know, it wasn't really important by the later on in the story. If we're being completely honest, it wasn't important at all. So uh, it was unique, though. It was unique. With that said, my final rating of Hell's Paradise and the objective rating of the series is a 6.555. 
It is definitely better than average and enjoyable and something to be entertained and enjoyed throughout the relatively short ride that Hell's Paradise is. It's a self-contained story, but nothing too complex by any means. There's stuff to like and to enjoy and to kind of give things in perspective in terms of the ratings I already have is it's higher rated than something like Fairy Tale, but lower rated than something like Seven Deadly Sins. Let me know what you think. And if you want to debate me on the rating and all that stuff, let me know in the comment section below.